Hey guys, it's Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories, and you're listening to my friends Andy and Lee from the Don't Break the Oath podcast. And I gotta be honest, out of all the podcasts coming out of Great Britain with Oath in a title and host named Andy and Lee, this is by far my favorite. Love you guys. Hello and welcome to another episode of Don't Break the Oath podcast. Now, a big thank you to Jerry from the Hillbilly Horror Stories for the intro there. If you haven't already, please check them out. Great podcast. And if you can do us an intro, that's the sort of thing we're looking for. Just tell us your name and where you're from and you can email that to us. Just record it on your phone and email it or record it on Facebook or whatever you want to do. Uh, Get them over to us and uh, we'll put them on the show. So thank you very much. Just wanted to say sorry for the delay in getting episodes out. That was because we run out of bandwidth, uh, which is a good thing because it means people are listening, but it's a bad thing because it means we have to pay for more. Um, so, you know, funding that and that. So on that note, if you can help us out, we you know greatly appreciate it. You know, you can do a one-time donation or you can join the Patreon, become a Patreon member, get extra shows and all that shit. Um, all, all them sort of things are on the website. They're easy to find. If you can help us out, great stuff. Obviously, if you buy a t-shirt, you know, that helps us out as well. Uh, failing that, leave a review on iTunes if possible and subscribe. And, you know, they're the most, they're the two most important things, really. But hopefully, you know, we've got a bit more bandwidth now and we can get these shows out. So, um, Without further ado, today we've got Cheryl Coster on the show. Now she's wrote a book about, basically, it's about UFOs by numbers, uh, statistics, and uh, it's uh, more interesting than you'd think, and actually the book sounds really good. We did have a couple of Skype issues during the interview, so you'll notice them. Angelera mentioned Mike and Mike a couple of times. Mike and Mike is just a British uh, radio station that she did an interview on. Uh, so if you if you were to say that, then you'll know what she's talking about. Right, here we go. The first question that I wanted to ask you is, you know, the UFO field being what it is. I mean, how did you get into UFOs? As far as, far as being like an active noisemaker? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, let me, let me give you the real short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw my first one when I was about uh, 12 years old. Okay. It was a late August afternoon, about two weeks before school started again, and we had been visiting an aunt and uncle up in the country, and my father, taking a shortcut to get back to the highway, uh, went up on a hill and came back down the hill. We were facing west. Clear blue sky, four or five, about four o'clock, four thirty in the afternoon, and there was a, uh, a huge sphere out there. Now, to give you an idea of the size, if you hold your arm out and look at your little fingernail, that's how big this thing was. Mm. And my mother had my dad pull the car over, and we talked. Uh, we we talked. She shut the engine off, and she sat there and said, "It might be the Air Force. It might be balloons. It could be any number of things." And um, and then uh, she said, "It might be people from another world." Okay. And we had Ooh. we had that com- we had that conversation. When he was 11, and, did you say? 12. Uh, 12. 11 or 12, something like that. Yeah. I, it was, I believe it was 1965. Okay, cool. So um, thereafter, it ended up being a bit of a bonding thing for me and my mom. Uh, we'd get books at the li- local public library and bring them home and read them and, uh, 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 on the topic matter. And there were some good authors at that time. And um, that was pretty much it. 
uh, she'd read one, I'd read one. She'd read one, I'd read one. And then one day she broke out. I think I was in, uh, uh, I think I was either just finishing up being a junior in high school or just becoming a senior. And um, uh, Eric Von Daniken's book came out, Chariot of the Gods. Mm. And, uh, boy, that had us both. We were both captivated. And that was pretty much it. There was just a serious interest in it, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, in fact, my mother, I remember she got a uh, – in 68, I was a junior in high school. Um, she, got, she got an email. She got a mimeograph. I don't know if you know what those are. It was a little mimeograph letters before Xeroxes. It was done with chemical and uh, it was kind of – the, the mimeograph master kind of looked like a, a sheet of carbon paper. Okay. Mm-hmm, yeah. And uh, she got a thing from some group called the Mutual UFO Network. And this is when they were first organizing. Okay, MUFON. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember her getting that uh, invitation letter to be on their subscription and everything. All right. So I went off and joined the Air Force when I got out of high school. Great stuff. Uh, and when I was in the Air Force, I was in, uh, about a year, year and a half later, I was in Cameron Bay, Vietnam, about the central part of the country. Christmas Eve, 1971, and I was walking over to go to Midnight Mass, and I looked up in the western sky, as stars as far as you could see, and uh, uh, all of a sudden I saw this streak going across the sky, and I thought, ah, jet, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it stopped. All right. And it just hovered there, and I thought, you gonna do something? And all of a sudden, it starts darting around like a like a fairy yeah, out I've there, seen, out there, yeah. out in the sky. Okay, and then this this bloody thing stops again, mm-hmm. and then takes off like anything you see in the movies, like Star Trek, <laughs> gone. Yeah, yep. you know. And uh, I was in church about uh, ten minutes later. My mind was not on mass. I tell you what, what you know, <laughs> yeah. it was an amazing thing. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Um. Again, I wasn't. Just before go ahead. I want to just want to go back to your first uh, sighting because you you said um, obviously your mother had that conversation. It could be uh, military aircraft. It could be uh, you know alien craft. Um, What time of day was it that you saw this? It was about four thirty in the afternoon. So it was daylight. Daylight. Yeah. It was daylight. It was was the western sky. Was it giving off any light or? Oh yeah, it was a big shiny sphere. Yeah, it was a big shiny sphere sitting out there, and the thing was, my mother. After we watched it for fifteen twenty minutes, we started driving. My dad started up the car. We started driving. I had mm-hmm. brother and sister in the back seat with me. They're toddlers, and then I, I watched that thing through the rear 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 window of the car. Yeah, and when it left, it it took off like that too. Gone. Yeah, yeah. it was I've an amazing it. thing to see. I've seen that with my own eyes, and it makes you wonder how they got that. You know, in in you know when you see sci-fi yeah. movies and you see that happening, and you think you know, you know yeah. it's part of sci-fi. But actually, to see it in real life, you, thing, wonder, yeah. you wonder, you know, the only thing which I came ever, first. You know? The only thing I saw uh, was a few years ago was it was like a not sphere but a, a cube. Mm. You know, that was a cube I saw. It's a square cube, but it boom, just gone yeah. and there, yeah. and it's like blinked in, blinked out. Okay. There was a uh, there was a cube reported here in New York State mm. up around Buffalo, what Niagara Falls. Back in um, 1883, they said it was parked out over the falls yeah. for for almost two hours, yeah. and then it, it it then when it started moving middle of the afternoon, I think they said the article the uh, newspaper article it's an old old article um, said around two or three in the afternoon it started uh, flying around uh, 18 
you know, 1880s uh, Buffalo, New York, and then it took off. Yeah. You know, and, and of course, some professors of the time said it was a meteor. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll do <laughs> they do that. You know, they generally yeah. go upwards, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> generally. <laughs> But um, so yeah, so right, so we get back to Vietnam. So you uh, saw this there, and uh, then what? That was it. Yeah, I kept it. my eyes open on the sky. I mean, I, you know, I may have, I may have seen other things over the years. Um, I guess it's easy to uh, let's see. I served in the Air Force for a couple of years, mm. and I had to get out um, because my hometown got wiped out in a flood. Okay. And I got out to help my parents rebuild. But when I was done, I went back in the service, but the Air Force wasn't taking anybody with prior service at the time. This is like 74. So I went in the Navy. They offered me this really great advanced electronics package, okay. advanced physics and electronics. So I took them up on their offer. And um, while I saw a few things when I was in the Navy, it was nothing really right home about, you know. Yeah, yeah. All right. So here we are. 30-year career with the aerospace giant Lockheed Martin, okay? All right. And uh, they retired me out in September of 2011. And uh, I went to work for the technical department of a local large newspaper, you know, back where they run the presses. Well, there's a lot of electronics back there, and I was able to make a good case that I was just what they wanted to do, Ooh. nighttime maintenance when they were running the paper, okay? All right. Uh, let's see. It was, this is what really got me into this as far as what I do now. It was November 4th, 2012. There was an article uh, in the CNN.com uh, thing, yeah. and a website. In fact, uh, let me set the thing up. It was late night. We had already put the newspaper to bed. The presses were, were rolling for the morning edition. And all we really had, all I had to really do was sit there and wait for them to finish the press run three hours from now. Okay. okay, big 700-ton Swiss press in, in their spinning wheels. And so I was Googling uh, the news to see if anything was going on. And uh, there was this little sidebar article that said, UFOs have been declining since the 1980s. Maybe they were all just an urban legend. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Now, that didn't sound right. No, now, I've been remember, now, right, ever, no. ever since when ever since high school, if I didn't go to the library and get whatever the new book was out on UFOs, it, somebody I knew had one. If there was an article in the doctor's office, I read it. You know, you know. So I was I was read, but I wasn't what you'd call an activist or anything. So here we go, and uh, and I said that doesn't sound right. So for the first time in my life, I went to the MUFON site on the web. And when I did, I pulled up the numbers for like, uh, remember, this is 2012. I pulled up the numbers from the late 80s right up through the early 2000s, just the yearly number at the end of it, and just MUFON. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and I pulled up a spreadsheet, and I started dropping the numbers in by year, and I did a little graph, and the graph went up like this. It went up like a rocket. And my first thought, I'm sitting there, it's about 1 o'clock in the morning, and I'm sitting there saying, what memo didn't the UFOs get? Yeah. You know, <laughs> this stuff is not declining since the 80s, as they say. So uh, it was shortly thereafter. I, cra- I was crawling through the databases every night after the presses were rolling, and mm-hmm. I was reading these interesting accounts, particularly in my home state of New York. So I went out to several different newspaper editors, got laughed out of a lot of offices, uh, got asked what brand of tinfoil I wear in my head <laughs> yeah. and uh, all this. And I pitched the idea of a weekly column 
Okay. Either in the printed paper or on an online edition. And online editions were just starting to take some traction at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, the, the main papers in the area weren't interested and in the region. And I went to a weekly, and uh, the guy there uh, who was chief editor-in-chief turned out to be somebody who had been a copy editor at the newspaper I was working for. And he had been laid off because, uh, you know, newspapers were downsizing and all this stuff. And uh, uh, he invited me into the office to talk. I mean, I told him, what, this is, I, I want to pitch a, a UFO column to you. And he says, okay, come on over. Let's talk. I got that far. So mm-hmm. I went in. And before he let me show him my five PowerPoint slides, he just poured a cup of tea. And we sat there and we talked for a good 25, 30 minutes. This guy was as well-read as I was. He had read a lot of the same books I read when I was in school. We were about the same age. And uh, after we talked for that 20 minutes, he says, show me your slides. And I pitched to him what I thought would be a good column, and he liked the idea. And he says, okay, let's try it for a month, see what happens. And he says, if it's no good, I'll call you in in a month, and that'll be it. Hmm. Okay, yeah. I said, fair okay, fair it's fair enough, you know. And so I did four weekly columns, and about a month later, he calls me up, and he says, come on over to see me. I said, well, that's it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I go in to talk to him, and I says, so you're – going to dump me? He says, oh, anything but. I said, what do you mean? He says, you're pulling more page views than all the other uh, columnists combined. And uh, that was the launch. And in those days, I was pulling probably a fraction of what I pull now. I mean, I pull a huge amount per article now. And um, and this is a good thing. And he's a lot that my, my, we've moved to another editor, but my editors have been very, in Three years, the next next month, it'll be three years I've been doing uh, – no, four years I've been doing this column. I started in 2000, July 2013, and I've only had one article censored Okay. by them, okay. by them. Yeah. By them. Uh, I can't talk to the government. It seems like every time I did an article that mentioned uh, little Susie and her parents went to the ice cream stand to get an ice cream cone, and they saw a big silvery disc fly overhead followed by two fighter jets. Anytime I mentioned things like military aircraft chasing something like this, you couldn't ever Google and find my article outside of the local area for some reason. And, of course, remember Mr. Snowden told us the NSA had their fingers into Google for years. You know, So uh, my 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 managing editor, my digital editor, he, he was of the same belief. He, he saw the pattern, too, and we both agreed that we're, we were being sat on. Yeah. yeah. So what happened – we got around – go ahead. We got around that, but go ahead. Yeah, no, I was yeah, just going to no, ask you, um, did you ever – Speak to the person who wrote that initial article that got you, in, you know, into this. No, I never did. Mm. Uh, I, it'd be it interesting to see why you wrote that, wouldn't it? Ooh. It didn't have an author. Ah, <laughs> a lot <laughs> of these things are. It's a bit of it a did, thing yeah. just to say it is declining. You know, there's nothing out yeah. there. Don't worry about yeah. it. Going on with your own. Yeah. yeah, keep looking down. Don't look up. Just keep on going. Yeah. You find a lot of the articles that are like that are no have no byline. Yeah, trolls. You know, they're they're trolls. They're trolls of some sort. Yeah, Yeah. and it quoted some organization um, in England that I'd never ever heard of, and I thought I'd heard of all of them. But uh, again, it's in the past. the The bottom line, and the bottom line on the thing was, um, uh, we we found we were getting set on. So I got uh, there's a guy that runs a a UFO site up in um, Canada uh, called UFO Digest. Mm And Dirk up there is a very nice gentleman, 
and uh, he watched my articles every week. And if he saw that I couldn't, that you couldn't couldn't find the article except on the newspaper's site, like it wasn't getting picked up by other UFO sites and things, he would repost my articles. So somebody was doing it outside of the country. Okay. Um, uh, so, and then uh, a couple of years, about two years ago, uh, my digital editor uh, had me establish a Facebook account and start distributing through Facebook as well. And uh, I distribute to about 30, 35 groups on Facebook uh, on a weekly basis mm. when I put my articles up. Mm. And, and that's how I got deep into it. Now, the, you probably want to know about the book. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely the book. Okay. Okay, well, what happened was, remember, New York State was my beat. I was writing primarily New York State. Mm, yep. Okay, New York Skies was the name of the column. So one of the things I started doing was I started, you know, uh, looking, you know, I'd be in MUFON, I'd be in National UFO Reporting Center, and I'd start counting the numbers, Man, literally counting them manually, you know. And uh, finally, I, I was publishing counting numbers, things like this. And I had a very good response. I put a little bar chart in there, you know, and people were responding to it. So when I spoke at one of the UFO conventions, the International UFO Congress down in Arizona, IUFOC, um, I figured out very quickly I was the only person presenting bars, uh, charts and graphs and numbers. Yes, mm. not, yeah. 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 So uh, during a mixer, one of the nights of the banquet, uh, a doc, a, guy, a a retired uh, astronomer from Sonoma University in California came up to me during the mixer. We had a beer together, and uh, he said, have you ever thought about putting county information with it? Well, MUFON had county information, but it was messy because it required that the person who was making the UFO entry knew what county they were in. Half the time, they didn't know what city they were in, let alone their county. And, or they would leave the city blank or something like this. So I knew that was messy and I knew that New Fork didn't, uh, didn't have it. I asked, I wrote them a nice email and I said, is there any way you could display county information? They told me, no, they didn't. And then I said, is there any way you can help me with that? And I said, yeah, look up the city on a map, put a pin on the map. And that was their answer, you know, and I said, and, and, uh, I, I was rather depressed about that. And I wrote them back and I just know, and I said, look, I'm sitting here trying to do statistics. You, you guys aren't helping me at all. And again, they, they didn't even answer me at that point. So, um, what we did was we, uh, I took Dr. Spears, um, advice and I brought in the MUFON, the MUFON data for, uh, uh, up to uh, 2000 to 2014, something like that. And then uh, I took New Fork data, and then we, we put just New York State, mm-hmm. and I put the county data with it. And we had over 40, uh, 4,500 records, okay? Well, suddenly the New York – I started putting up some of my charts, and the New York State UFOologist started saying, wait a minute, we didn't know there was a pattern like that mm-hmm. there. You know, Ooh. everybody give an example. Niagara Falls, Erie County, Niagara Falls, Niagara Frontier area in western New York. Everybody knew there was the Lake Erie effect, knew there was huge amounts of UFO sightings out by Lake Erie yeah, yeah. in Niagara Falls. Okay, well known. But when I put my charts up and said, hey, look at this over here, Rochester, New York, right there on Lake Ontario, they got almost as many numbers. Mm. And suddenly I've got local UFOologists and retired UFOologists saying, Wait a minute. You mean we've got a Lake Ontario effect? Wow. Mm. You know, people start mm. going, wow, this is, this is neat, you know? Yeah, so we found a lot of cool stuff. So mm. my, my wife Linda and I sat down and we thought about this and we we're over a burger and a beer in a local pub and, and we said, you know, 
this is like October of 2015. We said, look at all the wonderful stuff we found in New York State. What would happen if we did the entire country? Because understand, when we were doing New York State, yeah. we we figured out how to do things. We didn't know what we were doing when we started. It took us four months to do New York State. And But we learned how to do it. We figured out what worked, what didn't work, especially like when you wanted to put county data in, things like this. So we both being technical professionals, we wrote down a process. We, we kept Spiral Binder with the notes. This is how you clean this up. This is how you straighten that up. This is how you correct the spelling. We had a written process for everything you had to do to clean up those databases. Okay. Yeah. Very professional. You know, she came from a scientific environment. I come from an aerospace industrial scientific environment. So we're bringing science to this thing. So we sat there at that pub that night and said, uh, in October. Ever, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. And, and, and that was when the comments that Linda brought up. It's just, yeah. you know, why don't we science the hell out of this thing? You know, I mean, Some she used time, to work in. Yeah. She used to work for the National Academy of Science. Uh, she used to be the head librarian at the Environmental Protection Agency for 15 years. Uh, she's a smart lady, you know. Mm. And uh, so we said, okay, let's try this. Let's do the whole country. Mm. We must be nuts, but let's try the whole country, and it'll probably take us a year. It took us 16 months. Yeah. That's not bad. That's good going. Yeah. Yeah, well, it would have taken much longer had we not had written process for how to do it. Mm-hmm. We learned how to yep. do it. We made notes. We kept. We had a record. We knew exactly what to do. Um, it took every weekend for 16 months. Now, I did all the crunching and sanitizing of the data and everything. It took me about 10 or 11 months, and then it took her the next six or seven months to um, lay it out and make and the other thing we did with the book I don't know if you've seen it or not no but not the, seen it yet no okay the book um, you can order it there in England but we sold a lot yeah, of copies yeah. in England um, uh, order it from Amazon uh, it, we made it we've got a really boring cover on it because we made it look like a government report <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's good thing okay. yeah definitely <laughs> yeah. one over that minute yeah Okay, and that was her intact. We made the thing. We laid the whole thing out like the Census Department did. Yeah. In fact, when it came time to put maps to the thing, we used Census Department maps and regions, you know, and everything yeah. like that. So, I mean, somebody could pick it up and, uh, without really paying too much attention, start looking for, you know, the government printing office uh, logo someplace yeah, in yeah, there because, yeah. because yeah. we made it look like something that some congressman would find on his desk, you know, and that was. Part of the subversiveness of it, you know. Well, he will be now, won't he? Yeah, <laughs> there'll be a few without on the desk now, won't there? Well, that's what we've tried. We, we, I know the two senators from my state have each been sent a copy with a nice four-page letter explaining why they want to take an interest in it. Yeah, know? absolutely. So, so we—that's what we did the book, and that's how it came to be. Uh, we hope to do two more um, based on the same data. I'm yeah. still cleaning some of it up. Um, the cities are messy. Hmm. About 3,400, around 3,200 actually, um, they didn't fill in the city, Okay. both New Fork or MUFON. Some of them would write in there, they'd write in something superfluous like, I'm afraid to tell you, my mother tells me not to tell you, my husband says not to tell you, we're afraid someone will know who we are by putting this information in, that type of thing, or I'm simply, I'm afraid. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we saw a lot of that, I mean, a lot of them were just left blank. Uh, now, now and then I'd get a latitude and longitude. Now and then I'd get a zip code. Now and then I'd get a mile marker on a highway. That I, any of those things I could look up, but I couldn't look up if they didn't put anything in there. Yeah. So, um, they go in cities, a miscellaneous thing then, or 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's what we, la- well, in the book, what we did was we labeled the non or the superfluous ones. We labeled them unspecified. Yeah. And, and with each state, the unspecified for each state, we assign a county. Yeah. So we have a certain percentage of unknown counties um, associated with the 50 states. Um, a lot of people say, well, why didn't you just erase them? I said, no, no. It was a valid sighting. Yeah, yeah. I got 3,200 valid sightings, but yeah. I, I just people didn't tell us where they were. Yeah, yeah. The, the other data is still relevant, isn't it? Yeah, uh, the what, when, and where. And that's what yeah, we yeah. were dealing with, what, when, and where, and what shape. And that's yeah, all yeah. we set out to do. And I've had, I've had some of these guys like Mike and Mike, well, you can't tell us who they are. Well, that wasn't the purpose of the study. The purpose of the study was to prove that these things haven't been declining since the 80s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you have absolutely done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Spot. they've gone up in three waves, yeah. you know, over, over the 15 years. And I just added 2016 data to my, to, to my column. And uh, that's back a couple of, a uh, couple of episodes back on my column. Uh, I added 2016 data and, um, uh, move on. I, I'm sorry, UFO, Things have a tendency every five, six to seven years to do this little humpy thing like a dragon, or Loch Ness monster mm. kind of thing. Mm. And uh, about every six to seven years, it goes up and down, up and down, up and down. And because of the increase in internet accessibility, which affected a little bit of the of the reporting, mm. so we'd see things like this. You know, mm. uh, some of it's an increase in UFO sightings. Here, I'll move my hand up. Some of it's an increase in UFO sightings. Some of it is an artifact of reporting because people yeah. had the ability to report. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and we so, recognize. And somewhere to report it too, which helps. Yes, exactly it. Yeah. Exactly yeah. that. And uh, so that, that had a big impact. But it did go up in three waves. The numbers are pretty significant. And uh, I'll give an example. In the book, we said 121,036 over the 15 years of 2001 to 2015. Uh, I just added uh, 2016 here a week ago, and the number now for the, that 16-year period is 133,000. So that's that's those are huge numbers. And yeah. if you'll take some of these guys like Stanton Friedman, a real significant guy in the UFO community. If you take him into account, he'll tell you one in 10 people report what they see because he's had people, audiences of several thousand people sitting here and they'll say, how many people have seen a UFO? And everybody puts their hand up yeah, and then he's, yeah. how many people reported it? And 10%, you know, have their yeah, hand yeah. up and they've got people out there counting them. And so the number goes anywhere from one in 10 to one in 15. Okay. Yeah. I go with one in 10. I like the conservative side of the number always. Okay. And uh, if you take my 121,000, throw that against times 10, you're talking 1.2 million. Absolutely. So instead of an average of 8,000 sightings per year, we're talking 80,000 sightings per year. Mm. Now, if even 4%, and that's the most conservative number any investigators ever have given me, they usually give me somewhere between 10 and 30%. 4%, this one super conservative investigator gave me. Four percent against that number, either one, either the eight thousand number or the eighty thousand number, still turns out an awful lot of amazing events per year. Mm. Absolutely, patterns then, because obviously, you know, when you start putting stuff on a map, and we said this to uh, Linda Godfrey, yeah, we did, yeah, yeah. on, you know, once you start putting stuff on a map, you really see patterns. You know, you, you know, you people can dots, people can tell you, oh, you know, yeah. you know, we, you know, see sightings here, sightings there, and you know, and it. Yeah, that's fair enough. But once you start seeing it in black and white on a on a graph or you know on a map, then you can really see these hotspots. And people do this with uh, Bigfoot um, 
you know, encounters that do that. And you can see, you know, you can even see migration routes and all sorts of stuff. So w- when you first did it for the, for New York State, then what sort of patterns did you see? And did they spread across the whole of the state? So, you know, is it, is there certain patterns in certain places? It, okay. The first thing most people do is they look for the place where all the sightings are. Yeah. Well, if you're looking at just at that, then you can sit there and look at a map of New York State, and you can follow the New York State Thruway, which used to be the Erie Canal, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse, um, uh, all the way across over to Albany, and then down the, down the Hudson to New York City. You can see that the population centers in New York State. And that's if you look at the big numbers. Okay, but because we had county data, a couple of things became visible. And a lot of people said, well, who cares? You know, well, wait a minute. A lot of places in upstate rural New York are not much more, especially in, or in agricultural country, are not much more than a cattle crossing, a volunteer fire department, and maybe a general store that has haagen yeah. You know, uh, that's an ice cream. I don't know if you guys have haagen Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so what, what happened was um, the cattle mutilation people love the county data because suddenly you've got uh, Berg here, Barry there, uh, you know, half a dozen little cities and not, not, not one of them has more than one sighting, but the moment you throw them into a county, suddenly you got a cluster. Mm, yeah. Okay. And the cattle mutilation people found that to be very, very powerful for states here and out in the Midwest where they yeah. have a lot of that problem out there. Uh, so patterns help there. Uh, something we noticed with New York State, I counted the numbers starting at the top of New York State on the on the St. Lawrence Seaway. Mm-hmm. This is this is coming out of the Great Lakes. It's a river that goes out through between the United States and Canada and empties out around Quebec. Yep. Okay? Okay. All right, and it was made into a, a deep a deep water channel uh, back in the 30s. Okay? All right, what we found out was I added up all the counties that bordered. Now, it didn't look like none of those counties by themselves looked like much, okay? But when I added up the counties along the seaway, along Lake Ontario, and then down along Lake uh, Lake Erie, okay, um, it was 19% of New York State sightings. Mm. When I went up to Lake Champlain, up the top end of Hudson, started coming down the Hudson and all the counties that bordered the Hudson, took it all the way to the Atlantic Ocean, did not count Long Island because I didn't really consider it on the Hudson, okay, except maybe where it was connecting, okay. Um, it was like 30% or 31%. So the two, those two major waterways are 51% of New York State's sightings. Mm-hmm. And the USO people Love went that. bananas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, there's definitely, uh, well, I mean, you've got the stats, so you can answer this, I suppose, but there's definitely some correlation between water and UFO sightings. Oh, beyond a doubt. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, all the lakes. We know that, though. Yeah. Reservoirs, just up here. uh, Reservoirs, people have seen the black, you know, them black triangles coming out of reservoirs up here. Um, you know, and I mean, I mean, they could be man-made, couldn't they? But you know, yeah, that was but, but but even so, yeah. even even the man-made ones used reservoirs or water, or bodies of water. So, um, so you, was that a consistent pattern across the fifty states? Then, well, I'll give you an example. Remember, I told you I used the Census Department maps. Mm. Okay, in the book, I took the major regions that were 
up there. Okay. And the states that were in around the Great Lakes, yep. they are uh, part of what they call the Midwest region. And I was talking to a guy one night on radio here and, uh, he asked me about this type of thing. And I said, well, one of the things, and I hadn't even really noticed it until I was in the middle of this guy's interview. If you looked at the states that were actually touching the Great Lakes, the numbers were a thousand or bigger per state. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Exciting sort of that 15 year period. Okay. But if you move one state removed in many cases, not all cases, but most cases, if you move one state removed from the Great Lake, the numbers fell into the low hundreds, hmm. which I found yeah, to be fascinating. Yeah, that is, yeah. Do you think that's just population? You know, you know. Do you think no. there's more? You know, there's, there's no. the, the consistent population between the states. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll give yeah. you an example. I, I have, I had a lot of people. I had a lot of press when the book first came out, saying, "Well, it's got to be population. California's number one. They got the huge population." I said, "Okay, put California aside for a second. Mm -hmm. The next two states are Florida and Texas. Florida had seven thousand seven hundred eighty-seven for the fifteen-year window." Texas had 7,058. So let's just say around about 7,500, okay, roughly. All right. Florida has half the population of Texas. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. So it, it isn't always driven by population. In a particular state, if you look at it yet, it seems to be more sightings around a big city. Yeah. I'll give you another example. New York State. Everybody always says New York City's tops for UFO settings. Well, wait a minute. Now, if you're saying all of New York City, all five boroughs, okay, yeah, maybe. But New York City per se, New York County is only Manhattan. Hmm. Manhattan comes in number two in New York State for sightings. Hmm. Suffolk County, Long Island – out on the tip of Long Island, halfway through Long Island, and now on the tip, uh, it is number one. Number two is Nassau, Long Island, which is the county closer to New York City, and it's number three. Okay, mm -hmm. now, in New York City, you've got two and a half million people per sighting, and out on Suffolk County, you have 32,000 people per sighting. Yeah. Okay, it's a bedroom community. And something we found out only because we did the big data numbers, okay, of the book. That's big, considered big data, and that's got a few scientists really excited. Um, how do I want to say this? Uh, the big data. Bear with me. I'm dro dropping my, I'm, I'm old. I'm dropping my chain of thought here. <laughs> Fair enough. We found out. By crunching the data, uh, let me give you a reference. Remember, the, uh, I don't know if you you've heard of the Mothman prophecies. Yeah, yep. yep. Okay, uh, the late John Keel wrote them. Yep. Well, one of the things he did back in the '60s, he had access to a guy uh, that was a professor out in Colorado um, at a college, and uh, back when he had old big IBM 360 computers and things, big blues, and uh, they dropped a, uh, about a thousand UFO sightings into the database type of thing, and they they crunched them and they picked, tried to figure out what day of the week most of the sightings were from, and he came out with the the Wednesday phenomena. They all seem to be on Wednesdays. Okay. The problem was Mr. Keel suffered from a small data set. Okay, in a small sample, we had 121,000. We did the same crunch with ours after I, somebody came to me on Facebook. What about John Keel's Wednesday effect? You know, and what we found out was all week long, 
it's statistically flat. In fact, it's kind of like this all, let me see, let me get my hand up. It's, it's like that all week long. It's statistically flat, up and down like a little pick of fence, but it's statistically flat. You get to Friday, it starts to tick up three to three percent. You get to Saturday, it's seven to nine percent higher than the rest of the week. Of course, some people are quick to point out, guys like Mike and Mike, well, oh, everybody's drunk and on drugs, you know, on Saturday yeah, night. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Everybody's yeah, out, yeah. out camping and fishing at the weekends, yeah. That too. Mm. So, and then Sunday, it was about three to five percent tick up, basically the weekends. So, what we found out was, and my spouse, Linda, when she was laying the book out, she discovered the other thing. We knew that the sightings on a monthly basis looked like this up in New York State, July and August, and then it trailed off through the rest of the rest of the um, rest of the year. It was it was you know in the tens and twenties during 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 the uh, uh, winter, spring, and, and early summer, and then it started picking up, and in June, July, and August were peaking up, and then it starts trailing back off into that quiescent number we were talking about. We thought it was like that every place. Hmm. But Linda noticed when she was laying the chart the books out, she said, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's starting to, that, that peak in the middle flattens out in the middle south states all the way across the country. And then when you get down in the deep south states, it's statistically flat. Florida, Texas, uh, Arizona, Mississippi, Alabama, it was statistically flat. We're going, except Florida, like in the January, it peaks up in January, but that's when all the snowbirds get, get go south to, to, um, to have a midwinter vacation, you know? Uh, so we started looking at this and it says it's about good weather, temperate weather to be outside yep. Yep. and be able to see the sky. And it's about leisure time to be able to be out there to see it. Mm. And that's what we noticed. And people say, well, what's statistic, statistical flat stuff all week long? Oh, those are the people going outside for a smoke or going out to walk the dog or going out to walk the dog and have a smoke. Yeah. And those are the people who are out there rain or shine. So, and that, that's so what those, we found. Those weekend numbers then are probably, if you had the same uh, leisure time and all the rest of it for seven day period, you, you'd say those weekend uh, stats probably would go across the full week. It's just that people aren't seeing them during the week because they're busy doing other things. Um, yeah. so, so there's a lot more probably sightings, you know, that are not being seen that are out there. So you could, oh, you, yeah. know, you could triple the numbers that you've got, couldn't mm. you? Very probably. One of the things yeah. I thought about doing is, um, uh, again, I'm, 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 I'm tossing a lot of balls in the air right now. Mm. I've got a couple of television producers trying to sign us to a television program. And, uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is I'm cleaning up the city database. And this is important to your question. Yeah. Um, uh, I want to be able to, once I clean up the, the spelling and all that stuff for the cities, I'm about, uh, 25% through the database. It's, it's, it's old school editing. You, yeah. There's no app, there's no app for this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to literally go in there and touch every record. 121,000 records, it takes time. Sure. Um, uh, I've spent the last two weeks just doing the first 40,000. Okay. So it, it's it, every day for about yeah, two yeah. hours every day. So it takes time. But once I get the d- city database cleaned up, um, I'm going to I'm going to run a, a report against holidays, four day holidays, okay. three day yeah. holiday, yeah. three day week, three yeah. day weekends, four day weekends, yeah. and see if we have that kind of a spike on the on the holiday um, weekends, yeah, on the which Monday, I bet we yeah. I bet we do. I too. do. Yeah. yeah, I would say yeah. so. 
And yeah, that so that would lend weight to it being you know a recurring theme. It's just that no one's there to see it, wouldn't it? Yeah, I hope right. that comes. I hope that Ooh. pans out. That that works out because that'd be interesting. Now, Linda, Linda made a point to me, and she made, wanted me to make sure I tell everybody this when I do an interview. Because <laughs> uh, I had a couple radio guys like Mike and Mike. They were saying, "Well, why do the UFOs do that?" You know, I said, "No, it's not about the UFOs. The UFOs are a constant level of yeah, traffic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they seem to be." As regular as taxi cabs up there, but this is about the observer. When is when are the observers outside? What's the weather like outside for the observers? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, Alaska. Now, when do you think that they see most of their UFOs in Alaska? Well, you 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 you'd assume summer, but I'm I'm going to say well, you're going to say it's dark, man. Yeah, it's not, it's not the daylight, really, is it? No, it's not. It's the dead of winter. Yeah, yeah. Instead, like New York State does this little routine, for uh, Alaska does this. Hmm. The day the, they have that white nights thing they have like yeah, up yeah. in Scandinavia where it's a, all, all light all the time for a couple of months, and it's the same thing. Those numbers bottom out to almost nothing. I knew it was a trick question. Ooh. Yeah, well, we didn't know that. In, uh, in Hawaii, we saw something different. We saw spikes about every quarter, and I, I ran it by – I'm not 100% sure yet, but I ran it by a, a couple of um, travel agents, and they seem to think that's the cyclic period of when most uh, most tours go there quarterly. Yeah. <laughs> but so we're not did, sure. We're not sure. Did you see you know, a noticeable spike at nighttime rather than daytime? Because you, know, you get people – People go out hunting for ghosts, and they always go at night because they think, "Oh, yeah, you're going to see a ghost at night." But like ninety percent of ghost sightings happen during the day. Um, so, did you did you notice anything along those lines with the, um, you know, with the with the stats, the nighttime versus the daytime? I'm making you note of that. You know, I have not crunched uh, AM versus PM. No, that's, okay. another, that's, another, uh, that's another 16 months I've just put. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, okay, understand some of the dates on some of the sightings, I only have a year associated with them. Yeah, I don't yeah. actually have yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hour, an hour of the day type of thing. Because mm. you uh, assume that it'd be nighttime because you see, you know. But I can't. Yeah, you can't assume, no, but you'd have to go through the stats. But, you know, to, to, to the general mind, you'd think, well, you, you know, you're going to see most unusual things during the, you know, during the nighttime, strange well, lights, that kind of thing, aren't you? But again, you, you know, you, that is, you know, essence, in essence a UFO because you don't know what it is, but I mean, it could just become conventional. That's another thing, I guess. So, you know, these stats are for people who are reporting UFOs, and in that sense they're saying we don't know what it was. So how do you distinguish between, you know, a legitimate, say, alien craft, in quotations, versus a man-made object? No, government. Yeah. Okay. Um, in the book, um, that question came up uh, through my column, mail that we got from my column. Mm. And... When I was uh, when Linda was laying out the book, she she insisted that I write some chapters of narrative so this thing wouldn't be just bar charts and graphs and tables. Okay, <laughs> uh, it, right, I mean, it, it, as it is right now, if it didn't, it's got all the charm of a bank ledger. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. But if you know what you're looking for, it's got the secrets of the universe, as they say. Um, but I wrote one chapter about proof, and I said proof was in the shapes. Yeah, yeah. And I caught, I caught, that, that, yeah. and that was the name of one of my articles. And I caught a lot of crap from the trolls, okay, the the internet trolls. Yeah, but we one of the things, 
That means, oh, you're on, that means you're yeah. onto something, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm getting eaten alive this weekend because I wrote one about the Billy Mir case and uh, they're just coming out of the woodwork. Oh, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but the the bottom line, I'm letting other people fend fend them off. I I simply said I'll write a really nice article. You guys defend me on the web, and the, 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 that they're doing a nice job of it. Ooh. I'm not saying another word. Okay. But uh, <laughs> the bottom the bottom line on this um, to what your question was. And I just drew another blank. Bear with me. Um, what were we talking about? Okay, um, remember the question. <laughs> um, what did I say? Oh, shapes. 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 Yeah, we got on shapes, didn't we? Oh, it, it was yeah. The distinguishing between UFOs and alien spacecraft per se. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I took the approach of, and this is this is the trained Navy observer. Okay. Yep. Uh, I took you know. Have you ever seen the the this? I don't know if you've ever seen how a uh, uh, ever reported a UFO like on New Fork or MUFON or something like that. They have mm. they have a little check off thing. You pick out the shape that you think you saw, and yeah. there's and there, of course shape, yeah, my shape's Ooh. not there, yeah. Right, and there's there's one out there for just a light in the sky. There's one for uh, uh, unknown. There's yeah, one. I yeah. think they should actually remove some of those. Yeah, but yeah. basically, uh, they had one there for everything. Well, I immediately I took out all the stuff that could possibly be a government craft. First thing, mm-hmm. I took out light. I took out unknown. Mm-hmm. I took out um, uh, uh, something like uh, I, I, I took out like I took yeah. out triangles. Yeah. I took out yeah. I That's took out enough, yeah, yeah. Uh, I took out chevrons. You took out uh, and, why why chevrons? Che- that could be a delta wind craft. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. could be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. so I mean, let's just let's take anything. Oh, I took out blimps. Yeah. Okay. You can take okay. out uh, tubes of wings. <laughs> yes, but there's no there's no description. No, there there's no description. Okay, uh, uh, but I did keep cigar shaped and all that kind of thing, yeah, and that yeah. could easily get, that could be a yeah Japanese, from an angle, but, yeah, yeah. But, from but, an angle, yeah. but but I kept it there. Yeah. Um. Then I cranked the numbers against it. It still was a significant number. Okay, Ooh. and people say, "Well, how do you know those other shapes aren't government craft?" Uh, I don't think the government's flying fire orange fireballs. Mm, no, I don't. I don't think the government's flying uh, uh, aircraft that look like a light bulb. No. Okay, I don't think they're. And there's all these cubes, squares. Yeah. You know, uh, I don't think they're flying those. Okay, and diamond shaped craft. You know, so I, I wrote all that. I kept all that stuff in there. I said. That's where the proof of the pudding is. We don't have that stuff, you know. And and that's and then that's my professional guess. That's the stuff we need to be looking at. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, um, I mean, in the forties, it was easy. I mean, our fastest planes was like a P fifty one Mustang or a Thunder. A, a British yeah, was yeah. A, a Thunderbolt. You know, uh, those were the fastest aircraft at the time. And the early UFOs that they saw had flight performance characteristics unlike anything we had of the era. And yeah. to some degree, from what good, somebody, yeah. well, I got an Episcopalian priest in here and tells me he has former fighter pilots telling me confessing in confession that they can't catch him and these yeah. things fly circles around them. Exactly. So, yeah, that's why they. Doctor, the ones that you say, you know, involve military, you know, craft chasing them because they don't want people to know we can't catch yeah, them. Yeah, and, and most of these craft, you find that they do so much these fantastic maneuvers and blink in, blink out. To me, it'd be virtually impossible for a physical body to be on one of these craft. Mm. You know, they, they blink, they go out, pum, 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 you know. Yeah, yeah so I you, mean, our body would, 
I don't kind of disintegrate. Yeah, you would, yeah, wouldn't you? You could, could be talking more about drones, but you know, but you know, I don't know. I don't, but it don't I, matter. It don't matter no. whether it's a drone or you know, it's got alien no, beings no, in it. It's still, no, it's still a UFO. But intelligence get, getting on shapes. Then you know, what? How many? How can I word this? So, you know, if we wanted to say, you know, X extraterrestrials fly this vehicle and ex- these other terrestrial extraterrestrials fly. I mean, no, it's, this is an impossible question, but you know, given given the the different shapes that you've you know that you've you've encountered, you know, how how many? What's the real consistent ones, shapes wise, that you get across? The most seen from all, one shape. Yeah, yeah, all the states. Is it the saucers? You know, is it saucers? Is it the most what people see? You're gonna have to go get your book now, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> Give me twenty seconds. Yeah, twenty seconds. You baffled the least. <laughs> this is the this is the the library copy that normally is right there. Okay. Okay. And uh, the copy that I use on my desk upstairs um, uh, is dog eared. It looks it looks it dog eared. Hell, it looks like my dog ate it. You know, what I mean? <laughs> it's, beat, it's beat the beat the hell. Uh, as you can see, I'm going to show you. Hopefully, you'll see some of it. Um, as you can see, uh, every state has like bar charts. Mm, we, have tab- yeah. we have tables there with the counts per year for every county in those states. Uh, it's amazing stuff. Um, the one we're getting ready to come out with is we're going to call it. The, if we'd done it in this book, it would have been a 700-page book, and it would look like the family Bible. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're not. We didn't want to do that. Um, we're going to do a cities book. It's going to have the city information in it, so you'll be able to look up a state, see a county, and the city breakdown, and it counts per city in a municipality uh, that had sightings in that county, um, and you're going to be able to break it down that way. I'll be able to do source and tell you, like right now, I can tell you what counties in the United States have had the most sightings. I can tell you what states. Right now, I can't tell you what city because uh, the sorting capability in Excel with bad spelling, I can't tell you. Mm-hmm. But when I'm done cleaning it up, I'll be able to tell you what city uh, cities have the most sightings, mm-hmm. and that's a big deal, okay? Um, particularly if you're trying to get on somebody's radio program, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have found that to be good bait. I'll send them a picture of what their county looks like with their sighting, and if it's a, a market that I've already cleaned up, I'll send them a breakdown of what the municipalities are within that county where the radio station is, and that usually gets an invitation for a talk show. You know, so. yep. yeah, now, you want to know about shapes. Okay. Mm. And then the other third book we're going to do is, again, especially once we get the city stuff cleaned up, uh, we're going to do a shapes book yeah. where we can give you the state and the county, and we're going to be able to give you the shapes for every single county in the United States. That's 3,027 3, counties. It's going to be a seriously big book, but it, it will have everything you ever mm. wanted. Yeah. The investigators have been going nuts with this thing because you get a MUFON investigator. Suddenly, he doesn't have to spend hours on their CMS database looking something up. He can look up a county because I've got both national services in here. He can look it up and say, oh, that county had any other settings in the last 15 years, and I'm going to investigate the 21st. You know, and this, yeah. this, is a, this is a big deal with the investigators. Okay. Um, well, remember I was telling you about those maps. Yep. Those are the census maps, yeah. and it gives you it gives you an idea what we did. We had arrows pointing in, giving the counts per state and things. Okay, now we're going to shapes. Mm, that's cool. Okay, the shapes. Um, 
okay. The, the, the shape with the most, um, most numbers out there is the light, the proverbial light. Oh, I saw a light in the sky, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's about 12.8% of the sightings. Uh, uh, 15,491, if you want a number. A uh, circle in the sky, about 11,000. Uh, a sphere. Now we're starting to get into a serious shape. That's another one of the ones I don't, I think are the real thing, okay? Um, the spheres are uh, about 10% and they're around 12,000. Um, unknown, unknown shape is around 11,500, something like that. Triangles fall into the 9% category. Fireballs fall into the 7% category. Other, which is another category I think we should get rid of, uh, fall in the 6% category, around 8,000. Um, and then there's, there's the star-like thing. There's ovals. And something we're going to do in the future books, in this book we wanted to preserve the integrity of both the MUFORC and the MUFON databases. And one database called it a DISK, like saucer-shaped craft, a DISK, and another the other database called it a DISC. Okay, right. disc, disc. Okay, yeah. so we're going to combine that number in the in the uh, in the shape and in the cities book because we think that uh, we were trying to preserve it in this thing for data integrity, but it confuses a lot of people. People think, well, the discs aren't really really don't add up that much, and yes, they do because each of the disc sighting things had about uh, two point eight percent roughly, so basically around. Uh, six to seven thousand just in that category, but because yeah. we broke it up for the yeah, two yeah, dates. Two, yeah. 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 Okay. And then we start getting down to small percentages, a cigar shape, a flash, uh, a cylinder, flying in formation, diamonds, changing, morph- morphing sightings, um, yeah. uh, boomerangs, chevrons, rectangles, eggs, uh, teardrops, uh, missile-like, uh, blimps, rectangular, Saturn-like, um, bullet, that kind of thing. Mm. Now, now I'm going to give you a flavor on something there as far as craft is concerned. There's a psychological effect. You can have ten people out here, and I've read I've read accounts like this. You got eight or ten people out here. There is a serious shape out here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Two people can sit there and describe it and say, "Oh my God, look at that! It's a flying saucer." Several of the other people won't see it as such. They will see some kind of cartoon representation of it. Mm. Okay, or it will change. Okay for them, and several of the other people of that eight or ten people won't see a thing at all. Yeah. And right there in front of them, they won't see it. Okay, And there's a known psychological effect like this. Um, and they're historical, there's a, an example of this. It's an un, the, the, the theory is well, well documented. It's called the unexpected, uh, uh, unexpected phenomena uh, syndrome. Hmm. Uh, they literally had a test where they had a basketball going, game going on, yeah. and they had, and they had a not guy dressed in a gorilla yeah, suit yeah. and run out there, and most people didn't see it. Okay, no, that's, that um, blows your mind. If you've yeah. done, if you've done that, what? Where they, what they ask you to do, don't they? It's the same one. They ask you to count how many passes that the the two people make because there's two people bouncing a basketball, and they say, you know, just keep concentrating on you know how many passes the two people mm. make. And so you, you're so busy doing that, they say, did anyone see anything unusual? And you go, no. And they say, didn't you see the gorilla? And say, what fucking yeah, gorilla? Think, yeah. yeah. And then like, the replay, the show you, yeah. lectures and, and the, stuff, yeah. And you know what I mean? That, that show just shows you how... Because you're just, uh, your focus is just yeah, on how them. narrow your, your vision really is. No, but yeah. really, no, okay. if you see a craft, then your focus is on that. 
Really? No, I don't think so. Because not necessarily. because you know, people could be focusing on a particular part of it. You know what I mean? Or or what's going on around them? Or do you know what I mean? They can, they can your mind can be focused on something that you're also, not actually focused mm. on. If you're not also, if you're not your your member, your vision is interpreted by your brain. Yeah. Mm. Okay. And, and your brain can only reference what it already knows. So. You know, you yeah. could be seeing, you know, and your brain could be seeing a helicopter, for instance, because yeah. that's what it, it recognizes which should be in the sky. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. And you get that a lot, don't mm. you? Yeah. Um, carry on. Well, along that same line, um, back during about the time of Cortez, when Cortez's ships came to the New World, mm. the Native Americans had never seen ships. Mm. And they couldn't see them parked in the harbor. Yeah. They couldn't see them until the shaman, who has a little different view of reality, a little bit yeah. more elastic view of reality. Yeah, Open-minded, uh, yeah. And I, well, it's more than that. Um, mm. I used to live in a, a Buddhist monastery for seven years, okay? So I have this um, – I've been trained to see a bigger world around me, okay? Yeah. And, and, and that's what it boils down to. And also this unexpected syndrome type of thing. Uh, how many times you you know you're sitting here pulling your hair out? You got to be someplace and you can't find your car keys, and the damn things are laying there right in front of you on the club. Yeah, yeah, you've run past them six times. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it happens. Okay, uh, it happens all the time in traffic. How often is something literally you had to slam on their brakes? Says, wait a minute, he wasn't there a moment ago. You know, and he yeah, probably yeah. Oh, was. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know I'll tell, that you, I'll tell you the one that happens for me the most is the one where my missus says, "Did you see that washing that needed doing?" And I always say, "No, I didn't, just didn't see yeah. it." He didn't want to. <laughs> well, he didn't want to, did you? Really? It's, a, it's the same issue, though, isn't it? <laughs> like the washing up. I didn't see the washing up. It's the. It's also the plumber who doesn't see the leaky faucet on the outside of his house. You know. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so right. that, that's what it boils down to. There's a little bit of a psychological effect. And when I hear people tell me about it was changing. Yeah, yeah. That usually, yeah, I've heard of amorphous craft out there changing. But, you know, in my mind, I believe that's a psychological effect that the person's brain was trying to wrap itself around what it was actually experiencing. Yeah, yeah. And it was, it was so far outside of their reality, they didn't know how to cope with it. And that's separate from, like, four objects combining into one. No. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, it, it's got to be separate than that. I've seen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've, I've seen reports where people said we saw three blue lights come down and become one big blue light or something like that, yeah, and then yeah. hover down over the highway and all the cars quit. You know, I've seen reports like that. You know, um, yeah, it, that that amorphous one, I think, truly is somebody can't their brain can't wrap their head around it, mm. and and they can't distinguish it because they don't know what it is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And, well, and, yeah, and and there's also sweet. there's also that trauma thing where they've had people with um, oh yeah yeah th- thought they saw a snake and it was a garden hose. <laughs> yeah, more than that, aren't we? So uh, so th- that's kind of where it goes as far as I'm concerned. I'm I'm excited by the sheer numbers. That's the thing I, I keep telling people, like guys like Mike and Mike. I said, look, the big deal is the numbers. Yeah, people absolutely. Been yeah. telling us for years. Oh no, they're they, they, they've all gone away. That, that's something back from the eighties, the sixties, and seventies. You know. So have you um, seen the opposite then? So that so that initial article that said it was declining. Have you seen the opposite? Have you seen an increase? Yeah, yeah. significant significant increase. In fact, part of the reason we uh, went with the two thousand one to two thousand fifteen. Uh, Linda was an activist. Uh, uh, was 
an advocate for the idea, let's do pure 21st century numbers. Okay. Your 2000 is still technically 20th century. Okay. Uh, one. Two, we were the most earliest we would have gone. Now people saying, well, why didn't you go back further? You know, we found that the numbers were still because of a, an artifact of people having connections to the internet and things like this. The number was still ramping up. Okay. And we had a pattern there that I could literally associate to when people had dial up the changes that when they started getting broadband and then when yeah. everybody had broadband, you started seeing very significant differences in tiers. Okay. And, um, uh, so we measured against that chart. I went and got some industry pubs about when connectivity generally was available. You know, I mean, back in the eighties and late early nineties, we had um, people on the early America online on CompuServe on dial up a little dial up services that Joe Blow had a computer and we had all and he has adult stuff on it. You know, you know, people yeah, adult yeah. dial into that. It was that kind of stuff. And then as things started getting in the early 90s, those services started linking up onto the Internet, you know. So uh, we saw we had to correlate against that. Now, remember, correlation, and we have a little banner upstairs, correlation does not equal causality. Mm, yeah. But it, it is something you have to look at. So bottom line, um, the numbers have gone up significantly. They've tripled in the last 15 years. They've gone up in three waves, but they have tripled in the last three years. And that was the thing the New York Times reporter and the Times of London reporter both uh, remarked to me. Wow, these numbers are almost tripled. And I said, yeah, they have. And and these are people out here telling me there's no such thing, and uh, they went away with the Eastern Bunny. You know, I mean, that's not the case. Mm. So where do you think this is all leading then? I mean, um, this is an open-ended question, obviously. Well, but, yeah. But, um, and you know it's pure speculation on you know on, there's no stats for this but you know what do you see you know where do you think this is all leading I mean obviously you know are we talking yeah, I mean you said earlier to the two mics of mics yeah uh, that 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 they are already here which I know we we, we all know they are yeah for thousands of years oh, well beyond it beyond it yeah yeah absolutely and uh, you've got to be a you know an idiot not to think that anyway but. Uh, they have been here for thousands of years, but as you said, where's it, where's this going? Mm. You know, for the increased sightings, they're already here. Is there a plan? Is um, an end? Some, it, yeah, really? by, by that, what I mean is, that, you know, there's no defence significance, which we get told, you know, we get told all the time in the UK. This is the, the MOD's throwaway line. No, there's no defence significance. Well, obviously, it is if you can't catch it. Well, that's here. Okay, here. Let me give you a flavour from a US perspective. <sighs> Um, they, since the late 40s, they, they, they started a campaign where they uh, basically said, well, everybody sees these things are crazy. Mm. They're nuts. Mm. Uh, oh, they're hoaxers. Okay. Um, and they don't know what they're talking about. And, and they went out of their way for a number of years. If somebody reported something to the local TV station, the local TV station yeah. would go out of their way to discredit the person. Yeah. And say he was on the drink and all that. Exactly. Yeah. He, just well, out, he just stepped wacky, out of a wacky. pub. Yeah. yeah, he just stepped out of a pub and he saw this. Yeah, yeah, usual thing. And, and that was the deal. Yeah. But um, we took. I had a TV station here ask me. So well, how do you know they're all credible? So how do you know they're not? Exactly. I said, here's the tack I've been. I've been writing a column for four years now. Okay, I'm in those databases every single week, looking at stories, something that I can punch up a little bit and put into an article. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you who, 
if I can tell you what, when, and where, and if I knew why, I'd be getting a Nobel Prize. But <laughs> I, can tell you, I can tell you what, when, and where. Oh, sure. <laughs> and, and because I don't know who half these people, I don't know who these people are. The only people I know I've talked to, I've talked to, and they've invited me over for a beer and a barbecue in the backyard. Uh, and hey, we want you to meet our uncle Ralph, who saw, saw something during the war, a Foo Fighter, when he was in B twenty seven or something like that. You know, that, that's what every now and then I get to actually meet somebody. And then even then, my editor and I agree we can't tell you who they are. Mm. We don't want them getting ridiculed. No, no, yes, yeah, fair yep. enough. All right, so where's this going? I made the case in the book. There's an article of most five articles I put in there. Mm-hmm. One of them is 121,036 eyewitness accounts. Short of CSI or SACO type evidence, uh, an eyewitness account will still get you convicted in any court in this country. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And my argument is, and Linda's argument is, if, uh, why do we go out of our way to discredit people who report UFOs? Okay, that was one of our arguments. The other one was another reason we took 2001 to 2015, we had 9-11 over here. Okay, mm-hmm. 2001. Okay, so since that time, they told us, oh, report what you see. We did. People have been reporting what they see. Oh, oh you didn't want these, but you want us to report everything, <laughs> yeah, but you, yeah. you don't give us a channel for reporting this, you know. And I've, I've tried to get a straight answer from a couple of agencies as well. If the Air Force has been out of this business since 1968 or 69, is Homeland Security picking up that load? You know, of course, you can't get an answer out of them. But uh, amazingly enough, I was a member of my local volunteer fire brigade for a time. And there's a process in there to something like this lands. Uh, they've got a written process in there, how they're going to deal with it. And it basically is, you know, like, you know, fence off the area until yeah. somebody of a higher authority comes that can deal yeah, with yeah. it. Just huh? died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the just deal is you, you got to at least put it somewhere in the reality. Mm. And, and uh, there's been an effort by Steve Bassett for years to try. He's our lobbyist over here in Congress. Um, uh, to try and get congressional hearings. In fact, he, back in 2013, he staged the citizen hearings here. You can find it on the internet if you want to ever watch yeah. them. And, uh, they hired like five or six former, uh, uh former congresspersons to hold a, a hearing like they would if they were in Congress. Yeah. And they did. And of course the press laughed at him and everything. And we've had this problem with the press laughing at us. Well, Here's the deal. Up until now, most sightings were simply somebody reported a sighting or some researcher did a book about a particular crash. In fact, one of the problems we've had in the UFO community, how often if you go to a UFO convention, it seems to be all the speakers seem to be like a rock radio station. The best UFO crashes from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know, Mm. and that's what it always seems to be. And suddenly we put numbers in front of people. Hard, cold graphs and numbers. The New York Times, which has never said a nice thing about UFOs in 70 years, did the first positive story about UFOs about us. Hmm. Because we rattled, we rattled the hell out of them when they, they got a, uh, they got a two and a half pound book full of numbers and charts and graphs. Like I say, once it's in black and white. Yeah. Well, they gave us, they gave us, they gave us the, um, the headline. UFOs are being seen everywhere, and this book proves it. That was our headline. Yeah. 
yeah. the New York Times, that's rattled. Now, these television producers who have reached out to us, one of them literally sat down with us over dinner here about a month ago and said, you guys kicked the shockwave through the media industry. Now, we haven't felt it as much because we're up in rural New York. Out, I mean, We're not in New York City or Hollywood or any place. But from what we understand, that book rattled a lot of people because, as you said, suddenly there's black and white numbers yeah, in yeah, stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, well, I've been trying to hide for about for about sixty years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I would be very flattered when they come out with the new uh, the new uh, X Files series. Yeah. Uh, I'd be very flattered if Mulder had one on his desk. You know, yeah. Yeah. I think he might have <laughs> had a poster. You'll see, you yeah, just yeah. glance it. Yeah, you'll see it on the table there. You know. So, um, we've got we've got six producers that have reached out to us, uh, and there's. Off the record, there's a, a second wave of public relations coming. Uh, we have a we have a professional advertising firm that's actually going to do a re-release of the book here in a couple of weeks, and so there's going to be a lot more noise about it yeah. very soon. Um, because one of the things I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things we had was we reached out to Los Angeles County, okay, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox, four yeah. major TV stations, and the two major t- uh, newspapers in that town. Every one of them stiffed us. They are the yeah. they are the number one county in the United States, and nobody was interested in doing a story about it. I went to Phoenix, Arizona. I reached out to the four major television stations in that town and the principal newspaper in that town. In fact, I did so three weeks before the 20th anniversary of the Phoenix Lights, which is just was yeah, just yeah, just happened yeah. a couple weeks ago. And again, oh, they did pieces on the Phoenix Lights, but they refused to report the current numbers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't think the press and the media, at least here in the United States, is part of the cover-up, um, uh, I'd like to know whatever you're drinking because yeah. <laughs> they, they are very clearly part of it. 30 different press organizations in four major metropolitan areas ignored us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even when after New York Times article came out and there was a big splash, they ignored us. So uh, if we end up getting the TV series we think we're going to be getting – um, we're going to be in a unique position to call them out on this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I yeah. can't I, wait for that. Yeah. yeah. I would like nothing better to be Step able to s- start on that television, sh- on that show, like say we're going to do about Los Angeles County in California. I would like nothing better than look in the camera and say, all the television stations in Los Angeles County refuse to report this story. They refuse to tell you the truth about how many UFOs are over your head. Mm. And that's what I want to tell the, tell the American people in that town. And uh, uh, there's also a bad attitude towards the media here as it is right now anyway. So I don't just add to it. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Larry King would have me on, but uh, he's, he's yeah. retired. So what the hell? <laughs> so but, this is where we are right now. Uh, the big deal right now is simply trying to get media exposure. And this isn't so much about Cheryl and Linda trying to get media exposure. Mm. Okay, we're trying to get a conversation started, a grassroots yeah, conversation. That's, that's where it starts. Yeah. National National Geographic did a survey in the United States in 2012. Thirty-six percent believe in UFOs. 
And I don't like that term believe because, I mean, you know, it's like, you believe in God. You believe in Buddha. You know, I mean, no, it, yeah. it's like, Santa Claus. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah it, I don't like that term believe. It's not so much believes. I, I accept that these things are out there. Yeah. 42% were on the fence and 17% said bullshit. Yeah, you know it, it's it's baloney. Okay, it's Mike and Mike. Isn't it? Yeah, but that's not that's not that's not as high as what I would think. So that's that's good. Okay, even so, you know. And then they said seventy to eighty percent believed. Uh, I think it was like seventy percent believed that ancient aliens had been here. Okay, right. yeah. and then eighty percent believed the government was hiding what it knew. Yeah, so those numbers don't jive at all, do they? No. So that's the uh, that's the argument that I've made to several press organizations. Eighty percent of your audience, you're about selling stuff. Eighty percent of your audience wants yeah. to know. I've mm. got the numbers nobody else has, guys. Mm. Let's talk. You know. Mm. Yeah. Well, eighty percent want to know, and the other twenty percent want to know. You know what they get, what 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 the other people think. You know what they mm. think is crazy, don't they? So they're still they're still interested. So the idea we we have right now is we're just trying to get a national a good national conversation going with people. Uh, I'd like to be able to sit down with people on camera mm. and in pubs, diners, church, socials, whatever, and have people tell me their individual stories. Yeah. Yep. Own up and tell me. Mm, you know, tell me, tell me, tell me what your uncle saw. Tell me what your mom confessed on her deathbed. You know, mm. that's what I want to hear. I love your art on your arm there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what yeah, talk to me. Oh, right. Is there a dragon there? No, it's Baphomet in it, that devil ooh, thing. Ooh, yeah. ooh, ooh. <laughs> but, um, what was I going to say? I was going to say something to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, before I let you go, I was going to just say, um, the, the, the craft I witnessed was actually, um, a figure of eight shape. So it was almost two, like, you know, two discs together. Did you get any of them in any year? Not me personally. But the MUFON organization, and I take it this sighting was rather recent, last couple uh, of years? No, it was 98. Oh, 98. That's interesting. Mm. Okay. Um, what we have, People have been starting to see uh, something that looks like a figure eight or a barbell. A barbell. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Okay. And uh, there was a guy up in Canada about a year or two ago. He was out hunting with several other guys, and this huge glowing barbell thing was out there. And they're out in the deep woods hunting, hunting bear, you know, and uh, their phones wouldn't work. One guy had a two-way radio system with him, and it fried the radio system, the little radio, uh, radio he had. Um, the one guy who turned out to be a scientist had a video recorder with him, a video uh, camera with him, and he tried to record it, but it wouldn't show an image. Oh, okay. Right. And he just set it down, and they were trying to, whatever, uh, make sense of it. Well, he left the recording going, even though it wouldn't record the image of the thing. And it turned out when they played the tape back, they had um, the electronic patterns of the fields this thing was generating. Yeah. We got, yeah. there, are peop- there are people analyzing the, the pulses that this thing makes. Um, well, you know. when yeah. I, uh, you know, I told you before, yeah. right? when I saw that one, they, uh, there was a static you know, yeah, a, cra- a crackling. It had a it, well. This particular one, when we the guy was talking about it in a presentation I was at uh, last summer, and I was sitting in the audience listening, and he mentioned the time period. Well, again, I have an electronics background. I'm sitting in a time period that translates to like 12 hertz. 
that's like Ooh. getting down into the, the, the frequency of the planet kind of thing, you know. And uh, I grabbed him on a break and I said, do you know what, what you were just talking about, what that frequency was? And what do you mean? And I told him and that got his interest. And I, many weeks later, I talked to him online and he said he went back and talked to that scientist. And they're coming up with the same conclusions that there was this interesting set of patterns that may have something to do with the thing that levitates the ship or the force field or whatever. They don't know, but uh, they've got more data um, from this one sighting because somebody had a recording recording mm-hmm. the entire time. They maybe they didn't get a picture of it, but they got the pattern of its of its uh, signature. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. I mean, and when you start going into them, you know, you know hits and you know vibrations and all the rest of it, and obviously you get the ancients talking about moving massive lumps of rock that we can't move today using sound, and you know, it all yeah, ties in together, doesn't yeah. it? And and like you say, going back to nature. You know, uh, you know, nature finds a way of doing stuff. So, uh, that's probably the best. That's mm. the first place yeah. to start. But yeah, no, that's interesting that you say that. that you know, they're quite, you know, almost not common now, but they're, they're getting more common now because you know, for years, I, you know, I saw that, I knew what I'd seen, mm. and there's three of us stood there underneath it, and it, it did the same thing. But my one started off as um, a star, um, you know, and then we watched it, and then it 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 blinked into a craft. Um, and then zipped off, you know, like you see in Star Trek. Um, but yeah, it's definitely underneath. Like I say, I've said to you in the past, mm. from, from a side on, it might look more like a barbell, but from underneath, it would look like two, you know, overlapping discs, essentially. Um, no, uh, lights on it as such, but it was giving off a glow, like, um, you know, like an ambient light, like, uh, and actually it was like a mix of colors. It looked more like uh, oil on water. You know, uh-huh. as it, you know, it, it literally did that. And like I say, you could, you could feel the stat, like, the static charge off it. Uh, no noise. Um, and then it just, like, zipped away. It basically showed itself to us, let it know that we knew, you know, that it knew that we knew it was there, you like. Uh, and then, yeah, it disappeared. There was a guy here in upstate New York, about, oh, probably about 60 miles north of me. A place called Herkimer, New York. And it was the middle of the winter. Um, clear. Clear, dark. Summer, uh, winter sky. Okay. And it's like six o'clock at night. Of course, six o'clock at night in the middle of the winter, it might as well be midnight, you know? Yeah. And he lived on a farm up there. It's all farm country up there. And he went over to see a friend of his over at a neighboring farm and he took the snowmobile across the field to go to him. And when he was coming back, it was about eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, he was coming back home. He started hearing a humming sound. And all of a sudden his, his snowmobile started sputtering and quit. And he looked up above him, and the stars were being blotted out by something triangular-shaped. Okay, mm. As it moved over the power lines, huge national grid kind of, of, of uh, power lines, big interstate grid, um, electricity was literally jumping up at this thing as it was passing over the grid. Oh, right. That'd be nice. And, and so the, the idea that they generate sometimes there's a static field and people – feel that uh yeah very common uh, Ooh, yeah. uh I, I saw a triangle in 2013 and i didn't report it it was just before i started writing my column i didn't report it and it wasn't until i saw a, a, a report of that sighting from some nurse who was coming off a shift at three o'clock in the morning when i was getting home from the newspaper that, that I bothered to report it because she saw it too and she was across yeah. town. So it was, uh, it was very interesting. The thing was about two stories deep and, and as long as a little over a football field long, you know, and mm. it's like the most amazing thing I ever saw. And it just had this low hum, you know, so it was, it was interesting. 
But um, yeah, thank you very much. Just tell people where they can get your book before you go. Oh, uh, and what the, it's called? Amazon.com. You can get it. Uh, in fact, they'll print it for you there locally in Europe. Uh, you don't need to have it, someone ship it to you from the states. In fact, you'd rather don't because it costs about thirty bucks to ship one over there. Mm. Uh, the um, the name of the book is called the UFO sightings desk reference. United States of America, 2001-2015 by Cheryl Costa and Linda Miller Costa. Um, if you just Google UFO sightings desk reference, um, it'll come right up on Amazon. I guarantee it. Great stuff. That's great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Cheryl. Bye-bye now. <laughs>